You're listening to the City Lights Equipping Podcast, where we are helping you identify your next step in exalting Jesus and extending the kingdom of heaven right where you are. If this podcast encourages or challenges you, please leave us feedback on our iTunes channel and share on your social media to help more people discover the very same things that are stirring you in your walk with the Lord. to you podcast listener you are listening to the city lights equipping podcast where we are helping you identify your next step in exalting jesus and extending the kingdom of heaven right here on earth right where you are my parents named me christopher allen armfield and your parents named you Uh, uh, oliver which means peace and the chinese name is peace as well but I was, we were talking about this earlier. I have a lot of nicknames, too. I'm just going to run you through a couple Did of you them. give yourself these nicknames? Oliver Twist. <laughs> Oliver Odiznabi Wiznang. That one's crazy. Knobtones. Whoa, whoa. Uh, O-D-Z, Knobtones? O-Dub. Yeah. All of the other reindeer. Lots of them. It's a three-syllable <laughs> situation, you know? Uh, Revelo is yeah. one of my favorites. Um, all of us probably have like an alter ego. Not that we're super intentional about it, but when we get a little quirky and weird, maybe we're tired late or night. or sugar, late, late night, night it's Revelo. Oh, and mine's late night, Lots Chris? Lots of sweet yeah. s- s- <laughs> cakes and cheesecakes and whatnot. Yeah, I noticed um, before we jump into the podcast today and equip people, I think it's important <laughs> for to do a, uh, a fashion announcement. Okay. You've been tying up the strings off your hoodie into, but really yeah. it's almost like a throwback to Renaissance tie, actually, because they used to do that. Not exactly Western, but Renaissance, almost like four or five pieces. Like suits. James Madison in the Constitution, he's got that yes, fluffy, yes, ruffly thing. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, um, oh, is this somewhere. having to do with kind of like Hamilton and the whole Broadway show and you doing this? I don't know like, if I thought of it before. I, I was like suburban chic. You yep. would say urban. I'm more like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. This is probably what he would be doing oh, on Home dear. Improvement right I don't now. think you want that. But yeah. I think, I mean, it looks nice. It actually makes the whole outfit look a little clean, more clean cut and tight. Distinguished. Much like your top button. Yeah. Like you're straight out of prison. Uh, in a, but a, in a gentleman's sort of way. Yeah, that doesn't prison. that doesn't work. But <laughs> speaking of prison, uh, we started a new uh, sermon series on Sunday at City Lights. And yep. uh, though this is not the sermon podcast, you can go to iTunes and just type in City Lights. You'll find the sermon podcast from our Sunday messages. But um, Oliver, you oversee our equipping podcast, and you thought it'd be great to to do it. Uh, grab a topic out of the sermon series from this week, and uh, the sermon series is simply called "Becoming Who We Are." And it's all about identity. And yeah. so I launched a series, and so there's obviously some things that stuck out to you that made you think, hey, we should pause on that and equip people. Uh, and the Equipping Podcast, it's about you really personalizing your faith and helping you take that step um, with God. So, yep. Oliver, what stuck out to you Sunday? Um, and, and why don't you introduce kind of what the topic, well, not kind of, introduce the topic for us today so we can jump in. Well, I've heard wonderful feedback, and probably if you're listening to this, you were there on Sunday or heard the podcast. If you haven't, please listen. It's one of a um, the, the best or one of the clearest messages I've heard, um, on identity. And it's such a topic prolific for people outside and inside the church, who we are, who we see ourselves, Mm -hmm. the narrative that we allow ourselves to run in. Lots of people try to put narratives over us, but hearing God's narrative over our life, uh, you put it in the artist sculptor kind of way. Um, being, being made a masterpiece by the masters, the, the, the vision that I heard from you on stage, and I absolutely right. loved it. And I just think that this podcast is like that homework assignment you get sent home from math class. Sometimes you're hearing the teacher talk about it, in this case being you, yeah. uh, and it seems so clear and it makes sense, but then we run into different snags, different detours, different exceptions and problems, and that's what equipping podcast is meant to do, is to kind of do a follow-up of that. Mm-hmm. And one of the topics I want to talk about tonight, today, which I think is really the 
formidable opponent of identity is the issue of comparison. That's the mm. topic I want to talk about because I think mm. as soon as we get home with our homework assignment, we're thinking, I'm going to take my next step in Christ to mm. uh, allow the master to shape my life and get his fingerprints in my life. We come to terms with some other voices that maybe right. sound a little bit like him, but are kind of uh, counterfeits. Yeah. And I would love to just talk about those, namely... Um, the topic of comparison, which I think really robs us of our ability to grow into what you're talking about yeah, on Sunday. Yeah, I, I mean, I, when you just said that, I'm a visual person, so when I, when people speak, I start to visualize it. And when you said, you know, get homework assignment and next up the Lord, I was thinking about somebody leaving on a Sunday, and they're excited to maybe live into their identity. And so they're like, man, I'm going to read the Bible tonight. And before they do, they check Instagram, and somebody says like, um, I, you know, I went to a park, and I've been reading the Bible all afternoon. Right. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well... I guess I'm not really going to be taking my next step because now I sound like I'm so weak. And I mean, literally, you can get hijacked in an instant, right? I mm-hmm. mean, everything can be great. And then one Facebook post, one Instagram, one comment, somebody cuts you off. Um, you walk into a room feeling confident and somebody else is wearing the dress you're wearing and they're wearing right. it better. Right. Whatever it is, comparison, I mean, it's ultimately asking the question, what do you do when you feel like what you're doing isn't good enough? I mean, we have comparison everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. what A-list actor is the A-list actor? And what team is the team? And why is this person better than that? And is mm-hmm. it better to be married and better to be single? And, you know, are you climbing the corporate ladder or not? And why? And, I mean, the the traps, right? Mm-hmm. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. I feel like everywhere we go from school to business to home... They're, they're set for us all over the place. Yeah. What are your thoughts on comparison? I mean, just well, you mentioned culturally the, speaking. The social media aspect of it just makes it so hard and prolific and unavoidable. It's the more right we now. see yeah. pictures, I've heard it said, and I think it's so true, social media is peop, other people's highlight reels, you know, and we R- do that. Yeah. There's a lens yeah. of what we put up on pictures. We don't put just random anything <laughs> right. that's coming to our mind. We're putting up the best the, right. when everybody's right. eyes are open in the picture and when somebody's doing something funny yeah. and, and pithy or, or charming, and, and we put it up there, and that, that conglomerate of highlight reels makes it difficult for us to really uh, own and grab hold of what God's doing in our life because it can, mm. you know, at the stage that we're at, feel small or less mm-hmm. significant than the picture in the highlight reel that in somebody else's grass is greener scenario. You know, uh, some of my closest friends on earth, um, my wife and I, I love my wife and I and the friendships that we have with husbands and wives because I'm able to get to know the the woman of a friendship um, more than I would if I was just hanging out with somebody, sure, you know. Sure. And but I, some of the people I love most in this life, or some of my closest friends, struggle with that very thing. And they, I've, I've heard them say, I was feeling really good about my marriage. I was feeling really good about my parenting. I was feeling good about my house. Or I was feeling good about just the things that I could do within my realm of influence. And they said, and then I opened up uh, Instagram or I looked at Facebook and I just had everything robbed from me. And obviously they're confessing some weakness, but it's a real trap. You know, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, I mean, that's a quote that came out in history, right? Comparison is the primary thief of joy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I really, podcast listener, if you're hearing your name right now, you're going, oh my goodness, this is me, help. I don't know if we're going to be the complete help today, but that's our goal. I mean, that's the topic. We really want to tackle comparison, and it is the primary thief of who you are. Yeah. Oliver, you mentioned uh, when you heard me share, um, on a Sunday morning, you guys might attend City Lights, but before City Lights, we gather with everybody who serves, especially with children, and Oliver and I who are preaching, we share, and, and Timothy, our worship leader, will give him some music. But after I shared a little snippet snippet of my sermon, you made a comment that's still sticking with me right now. Why don't you share what, what you heard me say, not summing that up, but why did you say what you said? Why don't you share it and then tell us a little bit about it? Well, I'll give credit to where it's due. Bill Johnson, a pastor in Redding, California, uh, said this quote that stuck with me for a number of years. If you knew who God made you to be, you would never want to be 
anyone else. If you knew who God made you to be, if you could actually see, as you put it on Sunday morning, the David inside of your sculpture, mm-hmm. if you could see the end destination with all of its intricacies and um, perfection of masterpiece that God wants to build in you, in your character, mm-hmm. in your competencies, in your giftedness, in your voice, as you put it in another analogy, if you could see that and hear that, you would never want to be anyone else. And mm. sometimes when we start to look at somebody else's sculpture or somebody else's progress or somebody else's yeah. uh, fruits of, of their labor, and we start to look at our own, we actually lose our joy. We lose our um, our vision for the David within us. Right. And we start looking at somebody else's David or somebody else's yeah. sculpture. And we miss out mm. not only on the destination, which means we don't actually get to the masterpiece that God wanted to create in us because mm. we're so busy looking at someone else, but we also miss the journey of getting there. Mm. The joy in the journey of getting there is what I think Teddy Roosevelt is saying in the mm. process of of working and finding your own voice. Um, and that's a precious thing that I believe God wants to give us, and we have the ability to allow somebody to steal it from us. Man, I, you know, you, you nuanced it in your own uh, language Sunday, because what I heard you say was, if we're able to see the finished product of ourselves at the end of our days, yeah. we would never want to be anybody other than what we saw there. Right. And so I think Bill Johnson inspired you, but you put your own personal touch. And it just, I mean, it lit me up. And I, you know, it's so interesting. If you weren't there on Sunday, you haven't listened to the sermon yet. Uh, I mentioned that David actually took 43 years mm-hmm. to be sculpted out of that block of marble. But yep. Michelangelo yep. was the last hands on the block of marble, and it only took him three years. He was 26 years old when he started, 29 when he finished, but several other potential masters' hands were working with the marble and did not succeed or didn't want to touch it. It actually sat out in the elements for 25 years. Yeah. Podcast listener, can you relate with that? I mean, mm-hmm. think about it. Do you feel like uh, there's somebody sculpting you? It's a parent, it's a boss, it's a spouse, it's it's culture, it's media, and they keep pounding away with a chisel, and it just doesn't feel like you. They walk away and give up on you, and you're just in you're a work in progress, and it, there is no more progress. There's no more artist. I mean, that's one of the things we need to be careful of. Comparison can be a thief, but also when we put our lives in the wrong hands of somebody who has a vision for us, or they have vision, but they lack skill, and we entrust our lives to them, you're trusting your raw materials to somebody who may not be the right master worker. Mm-hmm. And so when you said that, Oliver, I just thought about David, too, and I was like, oh my goodness, you know, it took 43 years, but really, when the right hands were on the marble, it took three years. But mm-hmm. it, we are, we're a work in progress, and, uh, you know, I, I think... Sometimes we know now in hindsight, you know, you and I are in our 30s, we could look back probably at certain times in our life and go, man, I wish I didn't compare back right. then, you know? Yeah, I think if I could go back and talk to my, let's say, 20-year-old self or 25-year-old self, I guess not that long ago, um, I would I would tell myself exactly that, is that uh, the joy that I think Teddy Roosevelt, and who cares about Teddy Roosevelt in light of Jesus, the joy that Jesus <laughs> right, wants to give right. and bestow to us is the opportunity to find the masterpiece within us, the opportunity yeah. to find the voice within us um, that he's designed for us to be specific and unique. One thing that, you know, I've, I've felt called to in my personal journey in life is, is teaching and preaching both in, um, school in the public school setting, as well as, you know, from the stage and at church. And uh, this last year, I would say, um, I've just loved my journey here at City Lights. And I really feel like I've had the opportunity and freedom to be who I am, to preach the way that God's, um, given me to preach and, and shaped me to preach with the stories and the cadence and mm-hmm. the tempo and the rhythm. I remember in the earlier days, there was mm-hmm. more of a mimicking up there of, mm-hmm. I see the results of Louis Giglio or T.D. Jakes or Judah Smith 
or Stephen Furtick or somebody else. And I tried to emulate what they were doing, thinking that if I could just do what they did, I would have the results that they have. And the reality is, is that that fruit has a deeper root system mm. and a process of 10, 15, 20 years. I remember, right. uh, I think it was, um, I can't remember the, the author's name, but a quote that I had heard before, um, I think it was Andrew Murray maybe about preaching. He said, preaching doesn't take but a matter matter of 10 hours for preaching, you know, prep or sermon prep. It takes uh, 30 years because it takes hours to create a sermon, but a lifetime to create the man, the Look preacher. Out. And, uh, mm. and I, I just can't, can completely agree, but it's not just sermonizing. Yeah. It's, it's running. It's, it's, uh, it's sports, you know, it's right. professional, it's professionalism. It's being a mom, it's being a spouse, it's being, um, a son or a daughter or a student. Mm-hmm. These things take time. And so to get a mm. quality masterpiece in the master's hands, it's not just the quality, but there's a quantity of time that I think that it takes in, in David's case, you know, you're saying 40 years. Absolutely. I think looking back for me, if I were to give an example, I go back to middle school and high school, and uh, I never had the most fashionable clothes. Um, I was more of a late bloomer. I'm still waiting to go through puberty at 38. Uh, that's a joke, but <laughs> but it's kind of true. Um, I just remember comparing like crazy because I just saw the the guy who had the stuff got the girl's attention. Um, the guy that was funny got all the friends. And I remember trying to keep up. And one time I did keep up. I compared the shoes. If you got the latest Nikes, you were ahead of the class. Mm. And I was. I, I genuinely tell you, I was accepted, but it only lasted for three weeks. Not because my shoes weren't cool anymore, but somebody had the newer pair. And I literally got dropped so quick. And I just realized when I put my hope in something to achieve or purchase, there is a little bit of, uh, it it works for a little while. And I mean, the scriptures even tell us sin is pleasing for a season. Mm -hmm. And so it just doesn't last when we get stuck in that comparison trap. It might cause us to be satisfied for a little while, but it'll end. The reality of that though is so interesting. I have some of those people I was mimicking and comparing myself to 20 years later now, write me and say, I wish I could have been more like you in high school. Hmm. And uh, I don't, you know, I think they point to some different things about my life, but they ultimately realize what I realized. All the stuff I was doing didn't really, it wasn't really a reflection of me. It was me mimicking something else. Mm -hmm. And that person's able to say something like that now because they figured out who they are and they're comfortable in their own skin. Doesn't mean they're passive, right? Mm -hmm. But they, they're comfortable in their own skin. But I, isn't this the myth? You know, mm-hmm. we, we have a topic, which is comparison, and there's always a cultural myth that we have to contend with. And that myth ultimately is we think that people are the standard mm-hmm. or media sets the standard, but there's a standard that's set, and it's not Jesus, it's not Christ, it's not our faith, it's ultimately people or the standards that people make. Yeah, people, uh, you know, Paul writes to us and tells us that there is a race. I mean, I think that's a biblical mandate of our life to feel like we want to strive for a finish line or to meet goals or yeah. expectations. I think that's a God-given thing. It's just a matter of where do we put that finish line and imagine it. And Paul has been clear with us, mm. as well as the Holy Spirit and all the scriptures, is to tell us that the finish line doesn't doesn't exist here. We'd like it to. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that we would like answers for here on earth. There's a lot of... Um, you know, closure that we'd like to see here on earth. And the Bible is, has truth in it, but it also has a lot of mystery in it. And there's a lot of things we just won't see from our perspective. The bottom line is the myth today is that I believe we can't put the standard on what people say or what Mm. uh, the collective society dictates is the standard. I think that is the root of comparison is, is I've put my trust in some way Mm. that the world is able to feed back to me, my merit or my significance. And it's just a myth. And I would just love today to to pop it because it says the truth would set you free. I believe the truth is that 
we will never have the standard. We simply don't have enough information down here. You saw the elections. Oh, you can interview any number of people that got you know voted for Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or anybody else, and you ask them, okay, well, what is the employment or unemployment rate, and what was the policy in 2013, and what 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 did Alan Greenspan say, you know, as far as the um, the inflation rate in 2004? Well, people don't know, you know, mm. like we don't even know the information that's at hand, let alone all the information that scientists and historians say is not at hand. Mm. So it's just to say we're so limited in our perspective. And for us to say we have some semblance of understanding for standard down here mm. outside or more than God, it's just, it's mm. foolishness. And that's really where we're going to get into as we get yeah. rid of the scripture. So you're talking about, when you talk about down here, you're talking about uh, just in a proximity way, in a time way, yeah. when we're with God in glory, heaven, um, where God is fully influencing everything without any evil in the That's world, right. we're going to see more clearly. That'll That's be our right. hindsight moment. And, yeah. and in this moment, 2017, you know, January, whatever, whenever you're listening to this, you you lack information, and right. that's I don't. If that tugs at your pride a little bit, then go look for more information so that you have more and all. That's good and fine, but we all lack information. That's we right. will, but we do believe the scriptures are uh, air free. We believe they're absolutes. We believe they're reliable. Correct. So when you think about Second Corinthians chapter ten verse twelve, podcast listener, I'm gonna just read this for you. If it doesn't come to your mind, it wouldn't have come to my mind either. Uh, so let me just read this. We wouldn't put ourselves in the same class with or compare ourselves to those who are bold enough to make their own recommendations. Meaning, mm -hmm. So Paul's writing to people who are uh, recommending themselves for things, okay? It'll get more clear here in this next sentence. Certainly, when these people measure themselves by themselves, like comparing themselves to themselves and compare themselves to themselves, they show how not brilliant, not uh, ingenious, innovative, but how foolish they are. So when we compare ourselves to others or a version of ourself to the version we want to be, the scriptures are real clear. They say we're fools. And it's interesting, Proverbs, um, I did a study years ago, and I, I called it, I pity the fool, like nah. Mr. T. And it's all from Proverbs, and it yeah. says a fool does this and a fool does that. So what, what Paul's saying in the Church that. of Corinth, he, he is simply saying to them, if you get caught in the comparison trap, you're acting like a fool. That's not. He's not cursing at them. He's not calling them a name. He's saying you're choosing to act foolishly. You're going down the fool's path. Proverbs says the fool's path leads to death. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the counter narrative of that, the more positive, proactive vision that Paul would present to us is in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2. Uh, two key words he calls us servants and stewards as we read through the scripture. This is how we should regard each other as servants of Christ mm. and as stewards of the mysteries of God. To put it another way, um, we are small. Uh, we are we are ants on God's earth. To put it in a in a hyperbolic terms, um, we think we have control. We think we have wisdom. But the reality is, is God's the only one that has wisdom. As right. you said earlier, the ways are His ways are higher than our ways. And right now, the best that we can really do and truly do is just steward what God has told us to do and God has given us to do. Mm -hmm. It's just to listen and respond to what he has to say. That's the best we can do. We won't really know the overall narrative. And so Paul says the wise thing to do is not to compare ourselves to each other, but to, to look at Christ and mm -hmm. say, you're the only one that deserves significance and accolades here on this earth, and mm -hmm. we're stewards and servants of your gospel. So moreover, it is required that stewards, as stewards, we will be found faithful. And so I really would say if there's one thing that we could judge the merit of our success with, the, the ruler of success here on earth, I would probably say uh, it's the question of faithfulness. Hmm. How 
how faithful and enduring was my yes to Jesus? Mm-hmm. I think that at the end of the day, that's what I really measure, regardless of the outcome, regardless of the fruit or lack thereof, regardless of the bottom line, did I do what Christ asked me to do when he told me to do it? Mm-hmm. And on the bottom end of that scripture, we have this you know, promise and really reinforcement of this truth that, um, that God is the only one that has the standard. He says, yeah. then each one of us will receive his commendation, or to put it in the you know, apples to apples back to the earlier verse, his recommendation comes from God. Our recommendation, our commendation, our significance, our measuring stick can only be God and God alone. He's the only one, Jesus Christ. There's nobody that's going to be more wise than him. There's nobody that has a greater victory than him for those athletes out there. There's nobody who is a better leader than him for those business leaders out there. There's nobody who's a better saint or caretaker for those, Hmm. you know, pastoral people. There's no one who is a greater measuring stick. So why would I measure myself to LeBron or why would I measure myself to Louis Giglio? Because ultimately those are just maybe a person that's taken one extra step closer to Jesus than I have, but ultimately Jesus has taken all the steps that I need. So I believe the truth to trust is revolving around that. Yeah, well, you just said it. I mean, the truth to trust is that God's the standard. Yeah. Now, when you hear that, you might think, well, if God's a standard, why try? <laughs> if God's a standard, gigs up. I mean, I failed. That That's not what we mean by God as a standard. Right. What we're saying is, uh, you know, Paul says, I, I, I run a race and um, I haven't I haven't accomplished everything, but one thing I do is I fix my eyes. Mm-hmm. And and he says, and somebody says it to the Church of Colossae, he says, fix your eyes and fix your mind and set your heart on things above. And uh, ultimately, God's a standard where we set our focus. And I love how you said it. Um, we're, we're faithful to Him. Right. And, you know, the podcast, especially this equipment podcast, it's ultimately to help you identify where you are and just take a faithful next step. Not to earn anything, mm-hmm. but we get to walk with God now. And so God is the standard. You know, so often in Christian culture, we make uh, Paul the standard or mm-hmm. David a standard. And mm-hmm. we say, like, I want to be like David, who was a warrior. I want to be like Paul, who was sure. just the most in- just zealous for the faith. And ultimately, let's just let's just uh, humor Paul. He would love this, by the way, because he did it in other passages. If we made Paul the standard and go, okay, let me be the standard. I'll set the standard. The standard is... I'm running the race and I haven't reached it. And so one thing I do is I forget what's behind and I press on to move forward sure. until I hit that finish line. And listen, I, I think we said it earlier, we lack information. And so often we lose sight of the finish line. Mm-hmm. And the finish line is victory, it's glory, it's overcome, and it's Christ. But Christ is ever before you and me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'm, I'm encouraged when I leave here today after recording the podcast, Christ is right before me. I keep looking to him and I keep being faithful to him. Mm-hmm. One of the cool things... Um, that I would love to even just mention on this podcast is the derivative, I believe, of moving from comparison into just fixing our eyes on Christ um, is that we all get to win together. And it becomes Mm -hmm. a team sport rather than an individual sport. I think in the world's narrative, it fits so nicely that there's a Larry O'Brien trophy or there's a championship somewhere out there that that's what sports, people love sports because it's so black and white and clear cut as to who's better than others and there's only one goal. Well, I think that that paints Mm. a false image of really what divine goal setting or finish lines look like because in the body continually we hear listen this is what the goal is that we are helping one another get to christ together right so my goal becomes instead of a scarcity mentality where there's one trophy and i have to beat everybody else becomes oh we're all running races it's not that we're not running we are running but it's to whom we're running towards Mm. well christ the larry o'brien is scarce the trophy is scarce there's only one only 
one can can defeat the others. But in the, in the kingdom, everybody has access. So now we're all helping each other run the race, and we end up there faster. We end up there um, with more faithfulness and more diligence. And so I'm just encouraged about the kingdom of God is, is man, it's sufficient, and mm-hmm. there is an abundance. There's enough to go around. It's not a scarcity mindset. Wow. Uh, podcast listener, would you think about that for a moment? I want to make sure that landed because it's that's that may be one of the most significant things said, and it, they're helpful words. A scarcity mentality is like um, someone who runs in at Black Friday and tries to get ten of everything that's valuable. Right. Uh, sufficiency says there's enough for everyone. Right. I'm going to make sure that the least can get in that place, and I'm going to get one too. Mm-hmm. Now, the Black Friday illustration doesn't f- suffice, but think about that. What's more, what's more commonly described in your spirit? Do you feel like you've got to get, 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 and keep up, and if I don't, then I'm going to fall behind? And that's, that's a byproduct of con, um, consumerism, but also comparison. Or is it a sufficiency of I know who I am in Christ? Uh, I don't need people's approval in order to make me feel good about myself, so I can focus on other people and celebrate them mm-hmm. and trust that God's celebrating me. So, I, I mean, we, I just pray that over you right now, yeah. honestly. One of the greatest gifts that we could give to you is that you know the sufficiency of Christ for you right where you are. Uh, and, and, you know, another way you could say it, it's a pauper spirit, like a poverty spirit mm-hmm. versus a princely or royal. Right. And listen, if you're in Christ, you are royal. Mm-hmm. You're royal. You never see someone who's royal scrapping at the ground. In fact, royalty, when I watch them on TV, are constantly blessing people and loving them and mm-hmm. giving things away. Mm-hmm. So just want to speak that over you because that's, you know, if we want to move beyond the trap and we move into what is true, it's that we have more than enough in Christ and he loves to supply needs for others through us. Can we go over as we close up today, just a couple of those takeaways from the sermon? Uh, would love to keep walking with those truths sure. allowed to yeah. saturate for the rest of the week. Yeah, well, uh, when I was studying through the book of Ephesians, and if you listen to the sermon, you already know that, but if you um, if you haven't listened to the sermon, you don't have to necessarily, but just read through the book of Ephesians. One of the things you'll see is Ephesians 2.10 says that um, we are the workmanship of God, which uh, in the original language means that we're his poem, we're his work of art, we are his um, sculpture. And so the reality is, remember, you're a canvas, you're marble, you're clay, he is the master. You're the materials. He's the master. He's the artist. You're the art. That's a really important thing to realize. Um, so look in his eyes. He'll tell you who you are, and you'll mm-hmm. find sufficiency. The other thing is, um, you know, we are a work in progress, and artwork is still on the go. It's not finished yet. But uh, scriptures tell us in Philippians 1 6, I believe it says that he who began a good work in you will complete that work. So he's an artist who finishes his art projects. Um, but if you don't feel finished, it's because in this life, just like Paul said, I'm not there. I'm still pressing on. Yeah. One thing I would love to encourage podcast listeners with today is that no matter where you are in your journey, that God sees you and that he values yeah. you right exactly where you are. I'm reminded uh, even just now as Chris was talking about Allie, his adopted daughter, and how she helped to paint the picture mm-hmm. uh, of her masterpiece. And we certainly do. We, uh, we're saved by grace through faith, and there is a faith aspect. We do say yes to him, and we do allow his hand on our life to different degrees. As we draw near, he draws near to us. Yeah. And uh, I just want to encourage you right now that he does see your offering. He sees mm. your gift. He mm. sees the faithfulness that doesn't always manifest mm-hmm. into fruitfulness. He sees sometimes how you work and are not promoted while others are promoted ahead of you that aren't doing the same amount of diligence as you are. And I want to tell mm-hmm. you that in, in the kingdom of heaven, 
that is a commodity. Faith is something that is valued and it's impossible to please God without the faith that you're exhibiting. So I want you to press on and be encouraged right now mm-hmm. uh, because the King of Heaven says that he sees you and the faith that you have given is significant mm. even when it's being tested by the lack of fruitfulness. So mm. keep on and be encouraged with what you're doing. Man. Final thoughts from you? Well, um, one of my favorite stories out of our family, um, my wife Jerusha, her grandmother Ruth, uh, when she lived her life and she would mess up or bother somebody or make a mistake, she'd say, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a work in progress. And she used to say that so much so that she started to say, when I get, when I die, I'm going to put it on my tombstone. I'm going to put something like that. Sure enough, if you go to Charlotte, North Carolina, you go to the Billy Graham Museum, you'll see her tombstone there. And it reads, and I quote, construction complete. Thank you for your patience. And so awesome. <laughs> remember, um, you know, we have to be patient with ourselves mm-hmm. and who God is. You know, sometimes we're like, God, can you draw this line? Can you finish me? But hey, be patient with God. Be patient with yourself. And then those around you just say, hey, thanks for your patience. I'm a work in progress. Construction will be ending soon. Yeah. Well, it's been great to hang out with you guys today. We love this new um, format for us to be able to communicate and share all that God's put on our hearts as a ministry um, and help just uh, care for you and hopefully encourage you in your next step towards Christ here on the podcast. We want feedback. We want this to grow and evolve. We want it to be a work in progress, uh, just as mm-hmm. we've been talking about as individuals. We want to have other people and guests to interview and talk about and talk to. We would love to hear your feedback. What, yeah. Where are you walking in right now? What's God been saying to you? Because we want this to be a dialogue, not just a monologue. Mm-hmm. Please like and comment, uh, subscribe, share, do everything um, that you can if you if you feel encouraged. We would love to just uh, see life breathed into this uh, ministry because I just believe that God can use it to help us take next steps, which is what matters most for his kingdom. So just leave you with that uh, that thought. You are loved. You are seen. Uh, you are created by him. You are in the hands of a competent and caring yeah. uh, Christ. And we are so thankful to be doing this life and this ministry with you that you're here in Greenville with us. Um, to do life with, and we are so thankful for your just joining up with us in City Lights Church and all that it does. Mm-hmm. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name, and we'll see you real soon. Adios. Arigato, arigato, Oh, I like that. Yeah.